0: how you doing today brian well you know we're off to uh, a good start with uh, a new year and uh, part of what i've been reflecting on you know really has to do with um, those elements that i think are uh, foundationally important to having a successful team and really being able to affect uh, a successful uh, leadership uh, within the workplace and within the culture that you're trying to help uh, curate. And for me, that comes down to a critical factor. Let's just call it what it is, trust.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And we we kinda went all over the board, but you know, you say trust and trust comes to me, it's about caring, right? It's about caring about your people, caring about their work life balance, caring about them as individuals, caring about their career growth. Um, you know, just genuinely caring about them and not gossiping, right? <laughs> you know, be having that open line of communication that there's a lot of layers to trust, right? It's like an onion and we just kind of like only peeled back a small amount of the layers, I feel like.
0: Absolutely. And it is something that uh, we can go uh, deep on it because there are so many layers. Um, for me, reliability is one of those critical factors. Um, you know, really, uh, making sure that your, your words and deeds, uh, align, um, making sure that, uh, that you're not avoiding some of the more difficult issues that are necessary to confront within the team. Um, both to uh, establish the expectation of accountability and uh, results, as well as um, helping to cultivate uh, an openness to asking questions and uh, debating topics um, in a way that can be productive and healthy uh, versus just making people feel like their ideas are being challenged because they're under attack. Welcome to another edition of Lead.exe. I'm Brian Comerford in Denver, Colorado.
1: And I'm Nick Lozano in Washington, D.C.
0: And I'm battling a little bit of a cold today, so pardon my congestion.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think that'll be fine, Brian. <laughs> um,
0: you know, Nick, I thought it would be interesting to talk about a subject that I imagine every leader is confronted with, um, both from within the team as as well as within themselves, uh, at various points in their career. And that subject is trust. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a lot of directions that we can take it, but this is a a topic that, uh, resonates with me. You know, I think it's, uh, it's something that uh, I've seen a lot of examples of in my professional career. Um, both the, uh, the, um, absence of trust as well as the well functioning of a trusting team environment. so um, so I'd like to hear a little bit from you about you know what like where's that take your mind uh, when I just kind of spring that topic on you
1: <laughs> so when when you say trust to me, um from a leadership perspective or a leader, I actually think about caring, right? That, that's the number one thing I think of when, when I think of trust. Um, you know, that you're a leader, that you actually care about the people that you're leading. You know, I care about Brian as an individual. I care about your personal goals. I care about your career aspirations. I care about your work, work-life balance. And um, I care about your family obligations, right? And I'm not talking about just, hey, Brian, you know, I care about that stuff. I'm talking about actually, truly, <laughs> genuinely – Care, caring about you as an individual and you as a person um and as a member of the team so that, so when i go back to me my mind you know caring's the most important thing when i think of trust you know because if you care about your people um and the caring is genuine that and they, they can people can tell right when you're being fake and when you're not um you know instantly when you care about your people they can instantly tell um, where the heck am I going with this? <laughs> but I'm just gonna say, you know, like when when you care about people and it's genuine, um, you know, they know your intentions as a leader is that you're doing the best that you can for them. You're a part of the team. You work with them. They don't work for you. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. And you know, I I, I think the genuineness of um, of that caring is part of what I just heard you say. And, you know, when you are authentic and having a high degree of empathy, uh, either for your coworkers, for your organization, for your direct reports, that's ultimately what helps to feed that mentality of caring, right? Mm -hmm. It's actually taking the time to stop all the mental chatter and truly listen (laughs) to what's going on around you, right? Whether you're in a direct conversation or it's something over time where, uh, you know, I know you and I have been uh, in presentation mode together before where, you know, we've, we've talked specifically about what does that mean uh, when you've actually got authentic relationships? I I know you like to talk about walk your shift, um, but there's also, Uh, I think the fact that, uh, you know, you could openly point out specific things that you know about me and what uh, some of those things in my own personal life are that are important to me. And, uh, you know, uh, that I think also feeds into some of that caring where, you know, as coworkers, we can trust that we, we know who we are as people. We know how that feeds into our personal value system. And we know how to kind of orient ourselves with each other uh, in in the way that we we work or or find a style of working together. Does mm-hmm. that sound fair?
1: Sounds sounds like a fair summary of what I said. More more eloquently put. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but
0: <laughs> well, and I know that you and I are also uh, recent fans of Brene Brown's book "Braving uh, the Wilderness," and you know the "Braving" acronym. Um, you know, which to me, I think a lot of the things that, you know, are are key in that book and it's a, it's a short book, it's a quick read. So it's, it's one that um, I know that I advocate uh, reading and I think you would probably do the same. Um, But, you know, braving, you know, as that acronym boundaries, reliability, accountability, vault, integrity, non-judgment and generosity. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, All of those things to me help create that sense of foundation uh, for where trust comes from, whether it's in personal relationships, whether it's in the work environment. Um, and, you know, I think one of those, I guess you could call the litmus test, right, for uh, how much trust do you actually feel is uh, in the workplace. Right. One of those things that I think can help measure uh, whether or not it's there is, you know, how much background chatter, how much gossip, right is really going on? How much are people questioning, you know, what is this person saying, you know? Um, <laughs> or can you believe that that just happened? Um, you know, to me, it's when, when you've got indicators like that in the workplace, um, it's, it's corrosive because it starts to take away from, uh, you know, anybody being able to just take what someone else says at face value. Right. There's Mm -hmm. always this, you know, lingering in the back of the mind, criticality, right. Analysis of, you know, (laughs) like, what am I reading between the lines here? Because it couldn't really be that simple. Uh, And that can be destructive on, you know, just being able to execute in harmony uh, Mm -hmm. as a workforce, don't you think?
1: Yeah, I I agree. And I think something, you know, you brought up is a a big thing. There's gossiping, right? When does gossip happen? It's it's when leaders don't actively communicate with their team members, and it allows you know their team members an opportunity to just make up whatever they think is going on, right? And then rumors spread um, instead of opening a line of communication um, about hey, you know, you know, the boss wants us to do this, you know, I'm not a big fan of it, but, you know, we need to get this done, so X Y Z, so we can increase sales, you know, instead of not you know, letting, communicating with their staff up and down, um, is leaving gossip to kind of happen. And it kind of erodes that trust, right? Cause if you let people give them time to, you know, think on their own, what's going to happen, it's never going to be good, right? (laughs) Gossip's going to happen. Um, and, and if we go back to, you know, the thing I, I say this all the time, the, the walk in your shift thing, if we're walking around talking to our people, having engaging conversations, letting them know the why, the Simon, Simon Sinek, right? Start with why, why we're doing something. Um, we can kind of stop some of those, the the gossip before it even happens.
0: For sure. You know, the to me, uh, going back to that BRAVING acronym, it's, it's the reliability. And, you know, reliability means a number of things. And I think it's very critical to be incumbent on leaders to be reliable. And particularly when you're talking about ensuring that your words and your actions match Mm -hmm. right because then then that's the kind of thing that creates the confidence uh among your team members and within the workplace um that i think helps mitigate against the gossip factor when people have the confidence that what you say and what you do are in alignment um, and that you're not going to go ask somebody to do something that is outside of their personal integrity or your own or the organization's integrity, um, then that's, that's part of what I think helps, um, you know, mitigate against uh, people really questioning, you know, what's, what's the intent behind the scenes here Mm -hmm. and, you know, start letting the gossip mind take over with all this chatter, trying to, you know, (laughs) analyze, you know, what, what might be the, the hidden agenda. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah yeah 100 percent agree you know you're what you say and what you do um speaks volumes right it's kind of like the old the old thing parents always say do as i say not as i do right yes. <laughs> and then um you know children see what their parents are doing and then they're just going to go ahead and replicate what they see right because the actions speak louder than words um and and as we go back to to you know um you know, you're speaking about the trust and the rumors and, and fear kind of we're kind of bringing up fear, right? And um in the book Creativity Inc. ad Catmill had a great um quote. It was like, you know, fear can be created quickly, but trust cannot, right? As soon as we break that trust, um, you know, it's really hard to to gain it back. It's like a piece of paper, right? You crumble it up, but you can never make it flat again. Um, and that's the way trust is when when you as a leader um You know, don't do what you say you'll do when you say you will do it, right? Um, When you act differently than what your words say. Um, And you might, you know, people might think that they're getting away with things. Eventually, in the end, it always catches back up with them, right? People are smarter than you think they are. um, And if you try to go back behind their back and do something different, other than they see, they see it. They know they see it. Um, And that's when the gossip starts, right? (laughs)
0: Yeah, you know, that uh that reminds me there's a book by Patrick Lencioni called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Uh and in that one, you know, he really spells out, you know, what what are those those issues and and graphically it's it's represented like a a triangle where, you know, trust is that foundation, right? Um and so the absence of trust, of course, ends up being that critical um first um you know, it's, it's like a, it's like a force multiplier for all of these others dysfunctions, right? When the absence of trust, uh, is, is at the foundation of the working dynamic of your team. Um, that is part of what breeds all those other layers that are, that are ultimately driven by fear. I mean, exactly what you're talking about. Um, you know, the trust is hard to come by the, the fear is something that, um, you know, that's, uh, uh, that's a swift breeder, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, leading with fear is,
1: is not the way to go, right? It, it might get, you know, something resolved very quickly, um, but you're burning your leadership capital when, when you lead with fear. There's going to come to a point where where people just aren't going to put up with it, right? No one wants to work for a dictator um, and your team will suffer for it. Um, you know, when you lead f- with you know by fear um you're leading like a dictator i mean how how do dictators control countries they they lead they control countries through fear um you know when you lead your teams with fear um yelling screaming um doing things behind their back that's that's exactly what you're doing you're not being trustworthy um so so why would anyone want to work with that
0: you know it's true but let's think about the psychology of that for a minute because you know dictators um often don't just seize control, right? You think Mm -hmm. about um, the history of some very successful dictatorships and uh, one in particular comes to mind where, you know, we had uh, fair and free elections uh, of someone like Adolf Hitler, right? Mm -hmm. Who was given the power and continued to uh, encroach on taking more power that again was freely given. And Mm -hmm. I think part of that is done through that, that tactic of fear, right? Um, but I think another part of it is when uh, in a trusting environment, I think you as a worker and your co-workers have the confidence to be able to speak out, right? And that mm-hmm. may be, um, let's voice some ideas, let's openly debate some things. Uh, in technology in particular, you and I both know there's multiple ways to skin a cat. I mean, there's not just a single solution for anything that you might need to accomplish. Um, But uh, part of uh, the, I think the creativity in being a technologist comes from looking at the various ways that you can solve some of these challenges. And so, you know, we're all better when we're openly voicing uh, things that we have from our own experience, our own knowledge, our own ideation, all right that we can contribute to the conversation. Where this draconian sort of perspective comes in that not only uh, you know comes with fully baked ideas where it's like any question that's asked is going to be uh, considered an attack which just seems irrational but that's part of what i think this dictatorial mindset that we're we're talking about right and that's part of what it breeds um but conversely it's you know how swiftly then does that kind of approach work to shut down other people from asking questions and how quickly then is it that a team starts to fall apart where like, no one feels like, well, wait a second, I can't say anything about that. I can't poke any holes in this. I can't offer any alternate opinions or provide, you know, a variety of options. It's going to be this one way or not at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and pretty soon, you know, you start losing um, what I think is the more skillful dynamic of having a strong uh, you know, team, and and particularly as a technical leader, you want to make sure that you've got, you know, a lot of arrows in your quiver, right? You're <laughs> not just saddled with one specific skill set. You want people to be able to work together that can complement each other. Um, and, and so, you know, I think the other component to me about that um, sort of dictatorial approach is, you know, one of the first indicators is shutting down questions and, you know, creating an environment that is hostile um, to, you know, anyone uh, sharing an alternate opinion. So I'm kind of curious about, you know, what you think of that, if that's, if I'm just speaking out of turn here, or that's something that you've seen or, you know, have your own views on.
1: No, I agree with you. And and we, we go back to talk about this, you know, style, um, you know, I guess, authoritarian is kind of what we're talking about. Um, you know, my way or the highway, they tend to build their teams with a bunch of yes, men, yes, men, and yes, women. Right. And that's really not the best way to build your team. I really want somebody who's going to challenge my opinion to guess that maybe my assumptions are wrong, right? Maybe the ideas we're having, we're not thinking about them correctly. And, you know, when we operate as a team with a bunch of yes, people, um, you know, eventually those teams fail, right. Because they're relying on one person to make every decision they're micromanaged. Um, and you know, your, your shining stars don't hang around to be on those teams to make Uh them be successful. Um, because it's just a terrible work environment. I'm sure we've all worked in some environment that at some point in time, you know, whether it's in technology or, or some other, um, field or, or job we had in college or high school or something. Um, but, you know, you definitely don't want to surround yourself with a bunch of yes people. Um, In my opinion, I want the people who are going to challenge my opinions and my thoughts and my ideas. Um, You know, we're going to have a civil discourse, right? And um, challenge each other's ideas. And that that helps us deliver a better product, um, a, deliver a better customer solution or, you know, widgets, whatever we're building.
0: Well, and to take it back to what you were saying initially about caring, you know, I think when – you feel that your voice is being heard within a team um and particularly when you feel like there's some some resonance uh that's that's happening between you and whoever the leader of your team is that's when you really start to derive a sense of personal value right mm-hmm. it's uh it's a contribution that's not just being easily dismissed even if the idea is something that, uh, you know, it's been thought about and there's reasons why we're not going to try that feeling like you've got an open opportunity to, to voice something uh, to be, to be heard and someone to say, yep, no, I agree with you. That's you're thinking in the right way. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, here are the reasons why we might not want to do that. To me, those are leadership characteristics where, you know, as a leader, we create a sense in the environment of being open and approachable. Uh, Even if, you know, uh, our, our subordinates are making mistakes or, you know, missing some of the critical details where an idea that they're suggesting might not be the right fit. It's uh, you know, that's where we as leaders then have an opportunity to be able to help guide someone along Mm -hmm. and, and show them, you know, no, that you're like, you're, you're thinking correctly on these things here here's where there's a couple of gaps right mm-hmm. don't don't forget about this detail or never assume you know and and be able to 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 really work as someone who's helping to cultivate and develop that critical thinking um, particularly in a technical environment where it's so important that you've got things uh really airtight by the time they get into a production environment
1: <laughs> <laughs> no I, I completely agree with you it goes back to that old saying what uh, i can't remember is it build Uh, Give me a brick. Don't build me a cathedral. Right. (laughs) Um, Or or it goes, it's something like that. I can't can't remember a hundred word for word. But, you know, as leaders, we should be giving them bricks so that they can build the buildings. We don't Mm -hmm. build a cathedral and turn to them and say, hey, build this. Right. Our our team doesn't grow that way. Um, We're not fostering the trust in between them that they'll get the job done. You know, we hire people for a reason, right? We hire them to do a job because we think they're competent and they can do it. Not so that we can stand behind them and tell them exactly what we want them to do. If, if that were the case, then why did we even hire somebody? <laughs> <Right>? You might as <laughs> well just do it yourself. <laughs> um, but that, like you said, that's awful. We're talking about, you know, coaching your people, right? Bringing them up to speed slowly. Um, you know, we, we should be doing everything we can as leaders to help them grow. And that's part of the trust factor, right? As long as, you know, our team members know that we're doing everything we can to help them, um, they're going to do more for you. It's it's like, you know, Gary Vader, Chuck always says, he's like, you know, once you realize that you work for your people and your people don't work for you, your life will become so much easier. <clears throat> um, because for, for your team members, the economics aren't there, right? If we own a software development company, Why would our software engineers care about hitting revenue numbers for the year? They're not going to care. The economics aren't there for them, right? Um, Until you, you know, flip your thinking um, and and try to drive change and let them know that, hey, you know, I care about you. You know, Um, I want you to be the best software developer you can be. What can I do to help you? What classes do we need? Um, Do you need more developers on staff? Um, Do I need to challenge you more? Is there more things I can do for you? You know, we need to approach it more like, "How can I help you? What can I do for you?"
0: No, oh, it's great, and you know, I think, uh, I think along those same lines, you know, invoking some guiding principles within your team uh, to really demand that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we were talking a little bit about that, you know, that that fear of um, really being heard, asking questions, right? Um, You know, we could even call that a fear of conflict, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You you don't want to uh, create the abrasion that comes from, oh, well, well, I know this certain personality type. And if I ask a question, it's going to be taken as an attack. Mm
1: -hmm. And rather
0: than having that guidance, you know, now we're going to have conflict. So I'm just going to withdraw and not say anything at all. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, again, I think a, a method for helping to be able to mitigate that is to demand that right? To to make sure that you have um, clear guiding principles within your team um, that says, look, when, when we're bringing ideas forward, I want to hear something from everyone on the team that can help debate this,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Um, we're not, going to just take this as you know this is the right idea um we think it's the right idea but we do want to poke holes in it and you know we want to be able to to get to a place where you know we feel like we have a consensual uh commitment that you know we've thought through all the ins and outs with this thing Mm
1: -hmm. no i i completely agree with that right and and there's different ways that you can kind of handle you know the Internal communication, right? Um, the way I always kind of like to do it is that I want to hear somebody's idea fully before you let anybody butt in with rebuttals, right? It kind of goes back to the Peter Margaritas thing where we talked about saying yes and instead of no but. Um, I want to hear a fully fleshed out idea before people are starting to challenge it. Let them get to their point, let them express their idea before. Um, We start cutting it off right away and say, no, 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 we can't do that. That's impossible. Um, You know, you don't know what you're talking about. Let's assume that the person across from the table who's speaking knows something that we don't, you know, whether they're an entry-level software engineer or... um, you know, support staff or even the janitor, right? We, we have to give them that trust and understand that, you know, they, they possibly know something that you don't know and you have to give them an opportunity to, you know, fully flesh out their thought in front of anybody before we start challenging ideas right away. Right.
0: For sure. You know, being respectful and, uh, you know, again, back to, ensuring that your your words and your deeds, right, match up. Uh, when others see that that you do shift into uh, a place of uh, being an empathetic leader, that you are a good listener, mm-hmm. uh, that that you demonstrate that you've heard and that you're respectful in, you know, the way that you uh, make a reply, even if it's to say, you know, I, I'm hearing you, but I don't agree with, uh, you know, the suggestion that you're making, um, and here are the reasons why, you know, um, those are the types of things where, uh, you know, getting on the other side of um, both the the fear, uh, as well as the sort of conflictual nature uh, of the interaction, you know, I think it has to be tied to um, really putting a stake in the ground demanding that, you know, these are going to be some of those ways that we interact with each other. So, you know, part of uh, what, we've, what we've done uh, in teams that I've led in the past is creating working agreements. Uh, and this is, you know, something that you do when you really go through the formation of a team. But uh, as you and I have talked about, you know, in prior episodes, teams are constantly in flux, right? You've got mm-hmm. someone who's being promoted out. You've got someone who's being promoted in. You've got someone who's, you know, moving on, you know, uh, for whatever reason and uh, leaving your team. Uh, you've got, you know, dynamics that uh, um, that require you to make some changes in your team. And so teams are constantly in flux, and so establishing working agreements to me uh, isn't just something that's a one and done. It's, you know, something that uh, you need to revisit on a periodic basis. You need to make sure that, you know, these are still things that we're in agreement with, right? Um, mm-hmm. Here, Here's some ideas that were put forward and we memorialize these. And, uh, you know, for me with other team members uh, that I've helped to lead, uh, you know, we print out those working agreements, and everyone's got them pegged, you know, on their pegboard next to their desk, so that there's, there's no question. Um, and you know, so part of what that does is it it creates a culture where there is an expectation of everyone to carry a piece of the responsibility, mm-hmm. right? Right. These are the values that we have sought to establish within this team. And we're going to adhere to those things. It's not just about double speak where we're going to get in and, you know, we're going to review these things. And everyone gives a fist of five. And, you know, next thing you know, (laughs) we've got people who are, you know, out violating their social contract (laughs) because they never really bought into it in the first place. You know, it's, it's the kind of thing where you you want to make sure that it's really baked into. Um, you know, the culture that you're trying to cultivate and, uh, help be a part of as a leader.
1: No, I get it. And and as a leader, you're the one fostering that environment, right? You have to be the one, you know, that, that creates that environment of trust where everyone can trust each other. Um, maybe if you come onto a new team and and the environment's kind of hostile initially because the leader, you know, the previous leader, um, put it in a bad state, um, you know, it's gonna be rough going at first but as long as people understand that they can trust you and you care about them and their ideas as individuals um, the trust can be built fairly quickly and, and you know in my past experience um, it, it's real easy to walk into a room and say hey guys sorry what happened you know with, with your last boss um, but you know I'm happy to be here working with you guys right <laughs> instead of walking in and say, um, you know, Hey, uh, I heard what happened last time. I'm the boss here now. And none of that stuff's going to happen on my watch. Um, you know, we're, we're here to work. We're not here to play. Um, you know, things are going to get done. And, you know, it's two totally different delivery tones where the first one people are more accepting. They're like, Hey, you know, this guy's here. He's here to work with us. He's here to be Mm -hmm. one of us. Um, where the other person's being authoritarian saying none of this is going to happen. It's just going to make the problem worse. Um, and you know, to to me, trust and caring are are very um, intertwined. Um, if you care for your people and they understand that you care for them, the trust will come. We can have tough conversations when, when you know that I care about you, as an <laughs> individual, as a team member of this team, that I value your opinion. We we can talk about you know. Um, Things where it might get heated, but but you know, in the end, <laughs> that that I care about you, and it, it's just us discussing an idea or a thought, being passionate about our our conversation.
0: Yeah, those are great insights, Nick. And you know, I think uh, you know another component of it is um, you know we talked a little bit about creating a culture where you can speak honestly and freely, um, and also being for each other, right? Mm -hmm. That's one that, uh, um, that has continued to resonate with me is being able to be for each other. And sometimes it's just required to ask that question, right? Mm -hmm. Are you really being for so-and-so when I hear you talk like this? Um, And, you know, I think, uh, you know, part of that consistency between word and deed include something that I heard you alluding to, you know, related to transparency, right? We Mm -hmm. hear that, we hear that term a lot. And um, it's just one of those buzz terms that gets thrown out there a lot that, to the degree where I feel like, you know, it's sort of lost its, uh, you know, magnetism. Uh, But to me, transparency is, um, I'm, I'm going to be very open with you about what my expectations are and what my actions are and, you know, Your end performance reviews, I think, is one of those good examples where um, if I have a direct report who also has direct reports, um, I want to be as transparent as possible through the process and say, hey, listen, um, I want to let you know that I'm going to seek some feedback from your direct reports Uh, because I want to get some of their perspective as well on, you know, what your performance has been. Uh, I don't just want to have this top down view of the whole thing. I want to have a little bit of a, a bottoms up kind of approach to it. But rather than just you know, sneaking around and scheduling private appointments on your calendar, with, you know, your direct reports subordinates. Um, and then, you know, that's one of those things that starts the rumor mill and it's like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? What's what's he up to now? Um, you know, really being for each other by being straightforward with that transparency and bringing it out front and just saying, look, you know, I don't want you to be worried about this. Um, I mean, maybe there is a reason for you to be worried about, it. You know, um, uh, but I'm just seeking some feedback. I want to be, be able to get some additional perspective. Um, here's, here's my plan on what I intend to do. Just wanted you to be aware that it was going on. Um, that just immediately to me creates uh, a, a lot more harmony, uh, around the trust that you have in the workplace, um, versus, you know, presuming that someone may understand what your intent is and so you never disclose to them what it is that you're doing or even worse not trusting that they have uh you know the reliability in their own integrity um where you could disclose that information openly um and you know not have it come back to bite you
1: (laughs) (laughs) well if you're worried in that situation then um you know you as a leader have probably already seen that in action. Um, <laughs> you know, you've already seen the reason why that person would be worried. But that goes back to the whole thing you're talking about: communication, right? Transparency. Because um, if you do that, you know, bottom-up performance review with their direct reports. Um, you know, the first per- thing that that person, you know, um, that you're doing the performance review on, might think, "Oh man, this guy's trying to hire." One of the people under me to to replace me. Uh, right. If you don't have right. that transparency, and, may, and you know that maybe that's not the situation at all. You're just doing the bottom up reporting. Um, you know, it's the whole thing. Don't assume that people know what your intentions are. If you're not transparent exactly. and you don't speak with them, they're going to gossip. And when people have time to you know, make up things in their mind, they're never good. (laughs) You know, that person's instantly going to think, Oh, he's going to fire me. And maybe it's one of your star team players and you have, you know, a succession plan for them to come in and, and promote, you know, promote them into your role when you get moved up. Um, If you go and do that behind their back, the performance, you go from the bottom up, don't tell them what your intentions are. Maybe they're looking for a job because they think you're trying to replace them with somebody who's below them. (laughs) Um, but, But you know, that goes back to the, you know, just being transparent, having, conversations with your people. Um, I've never been a huge fan of performance reviews um, just because people treat them as a year-end thing, right? <laughs> they don't go talk to anybody about what their goals are, what they plan to do in their jobs, what their personal goals are, what their you know um, life goals are or anything until the end of the year. And that's way too long to talk to anybody about anything. Yeah. Um, you should be having these conversations year long. You could be helping those people grow throughout the whole year, and that's in in turn that's going to help you know your team perform better. You know it, they'll help pull the team up. Um, you know I, I'm just not a huge fan of performance reviews. <laughs> I guess is where I'm getting at that I hate those things. I don't care what method it is, the five words or, or <laughs> star based questions or, or whatever. I just hate them all. Because like I said, everyone treats it as a year-end thing that they have to do, and it's always pegged to, you know, bonuses or salary compensation. And that's not really, you know, things that should be pegged to a review, in my opinion.
0: Well, it's interesting because, you know, one of those things to me is, you know, back to that um, five dysfunctions of a team model, Uh, you know, when, when you have avoidance of accountability, right, as a leader... Um, to me, you know, I, I find it kind of quaint when I hear discussions around, you know, we're going to develop a, you know, a, a performance management culture, right? And and here are the things that really factor into, you know, what can make that possible. Um, I, you know, to me, those they're just such basic common principles of leadership. Mm-hmm. Be having ongoing conversations with people. Uh, you know i mean that is your performance review right there it's it's happening on a routine basis sometimes it's happening multiple times a day right uh-huh. <laughs> because um you've set some expectations of what you believe outcomes should be right and then you're actually confronting issues as they happen mm-hmm. so that, <laughs> you, you know, you, you're, remain, you're, you're holding yourself as a leader accountable, but you're also holding your people accountable um, to be able to deliver on those outcomes. If all of those things are happening uh, on a routine basis, um, then, you know, like you, I mean, I I just don't feel the need for a performance review, Um you know, in most cases, I think it's one of those things where it's a check the box activity, uh, you know, for your salary administration, if, if, you know, that's something that you do on an annual, annual basis.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but otherwise if, you know, if you're really leading from a performance management perspective, you're just engaged.
1: Yep. <laughs> you and <know>? You're present. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't get right. me started on performance reviews. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it. you know, it's, it's, it's just one of those things where, where people use it as a way to hold things over, over people's head. Um, you know, and, and if you're a leader and you're only, you know, communicating with your people one time a year, what their goals are, you're failing them as a leader, um, you know, you don't wait to get till the end of the year when you have people who are counting on money um, or some type of bonus or pay raises to only talk to them at the end of the year. Um, you're, mm-hmm. you're just failing them, right? Yeah. Um, you're, you're not doing your service as a leader to be serving them. And that, that goes back to the same thing. As, soon as The sooner you realize that you work for your people and not the other way around, so much better is, is your job going to be, they're going to make things easier for you. You know, you take care of your people and they'll take care of your customers, your clients, you know, um, you know, your factory workers, whatever you want to, whatever business you're in, if you take care of your people, the rest of everything else will take care of itself. They'll take care of the business. Um, you know, they'll, they'll, you know, keep, you know, everything in check you don't have to walk around um, and, you know, watch what people are doing. They'll self govern themselves. (laughs) I mean, I've been on great teams before where I never had to check what anybody was doing because I knew that the team was just going to take care of it themselves. (laughs) Right. I didn't have to be on top of team members to check where they were on their peer reviews for delivering code because they were being accountable to themselves. They knew I was there to be part of the team. I was there to help them with anything they needed. And, by the end, they just got stuff done. I didn't have to check on them. It allowed me to do my job, and they policed themselves.
0: <laughs> well, the good news is, Nick, that's a functional team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it goes back to Napoleon's old saying: you know, there's no bad soldiers; there's only bad generals. So, if you've got a dysfunctional team, you know, you you need to look in the mirror because um, the problem's probably not the team. Um, the The problem's probably with yourself. And that's, that's a tough thing to hear. But, you know, if your team's dysfunctional, you know, you, you gotta look at the person in the mirror.
0: Well, and with that, you know, we've mentioned a couple of uh, titles already. Uh, are there other books that you feel like uh, contribute to helping to shape uh, that leadership mindset to be able to be equipped to really mm-hmm. help cultivate a trusting environment?
1: Yeah, I would go, uh, you know, Simon Sinek, start with why. Um you know, it doesn't go over a ton about trust, but it, it's it's a great leadership book just in general. And when you stop and you look back at the the why you're doing things or why you are where you are, um, it's a good starting point for building trust, right? It helps you understand why you're doing things or why leadership is doing this or why even you're doing something yourself um, that can help, you know, keep that open communication. And, you know, the other one for me would be a Creativity Inc., right? they talk a lot about trust in that one at cat talks about you know his brain trust and you know the people at pixar reviewing movies and even letting the janitor come in and comment on whether this character thinks it feels real that a character would do this but you know that's that's a relationship of trust right they trust their people to come in and give them feedback you know and with their brain trust ideas, everyone can come in and give the director feedback. Does the director have to take it? No, but they trust each other enough to say, hey, you know, is it believable that a character would do this? Um, you know, Does that feel human? Um, you know, should you be doing X, Y, Z? Um, those, are, those are the two for me that come off the top of my head. What about That's you, Brian?
0: Uh, well, I would go back to that. Brene Brown book "Braving the Wilderness," and you know one thing that we didn't touch on was uh, the V in her acronym, and and that's for Vault. Uh, And it was one that you know when I when I read that book uh, initially, you know, it it, it took a little bit of time for me to wrap my mind around you know where she was coming from with that. But um, the idea that you know you take information that is provided to you, and you curate it with a sense of confidentiality, right? That's, that's like putting it in a vault, like in a safe where, um, people know that they can come to you with something. And as soon as they've shared something, uh, you know, whether or not they've asked for it to be held in confidence, um, the fact that they know that they can come to you and they're not hearing, you know, this chatter, uh, you know, from others in the team or your work environment, um, where really they know that, you know, hey, I I, I told my leader this and uh, now all of a sudden it's coming back, you know, and it's like a game of telephone, right? And Now all this stuff's been misconstrued and oh my gosh, I can't trust that person any longer because, you know, I told them something in confidence, it hasn't been held in confidence and, you know, that's the last time I'm going to make that kind of mistake. Um, so that's an area that, you know, again, you know, holding yourself accountable um, and and really, Um, you know, back to your comments on caring, Nick, being able to, you know, really um, walk in someone else's shoes and have an understanding of where they're coming from. And, you know, having that drive your sense of empathy around whether or not the information that was just shared with you uh, is something that you should hold in the vault.
1: Yeah. I would think as soon as you hear somebody say, hey, did you hear? Just walk away. I say, no, I, I don't even <laughs> want to hear that because most gossip is hearsay anyways. Um, so, you know, and I think that's even her recommendation in that book, if, if I'm not mistaken, because um, she goes back and talks about some relationship she had with a friend, and that's when she realized the vault was the only reason she was having had a relationship with, with her was to gossip. Um, yeah. So there was nothing positive coming out of that conversation. Right. Um, but... But, you know, it goes back to transparency and trust. And we used a ton of big words today, like empathy and all that. But I, I think for me, you know, trust comes down to caring. Just care about your people and genuinely care about them. Don't be fake and, about it, you know.
0: And for me, all the factors that we've talked about, you know, create that foundation of what truly is a functional workplace. If uh, If there is an absence of trust, there's a lot of work to do. And to your point, Nick, it's like a crumpled piece of paper, right? It's gonna be very difficult to smooth that out. Um, You can throw all the HR interventions at it that you want, um, but it's it's something that uh, has to be foundationally correct, and it has to be cared for, right? It has to be curated.
1: No, I totally get it. And I think with that, Brian, that's probably a good spot to wrap it up, huh? All right, man. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you, Nick.